And now, more Educate on TalkZone.com. Here's Jonathan Jefferson. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to the show and our discussion concerning college and career pathways. My next guest, Hans Meter, is the president of the National Center for College and Career Transitions. Their motto is, every teen with a dream and a plan. Hans, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for letting me join you today. Hey, I greatly appreciate you joining us. Uh, tell us about the National Center for College and Career Transitions. Yeah, we're an organization um, that is built around providing planning, coaching, uh, assistance for community-based leadership teams uh, to help them plan and implement college career pathway systems. Okay, so when you say community-based teams, what type of uh, community organizations are we speaking of? Yeah, well, specifically, um, it's really important that we bring together our K-12 education systems and our post-secondary education systems. They, they, they grew up in different worlds, at different eras, when at a time when, when not a lot of people really needed to go to college back in the, the 20th century. And now we know that most good jobs, skilled jobs that can provide a family-sustaining income require some sort of post-secondary education and training. It can be a, a certificate program or two-year degree program or a four-year degree program. Uh, but the systems themselves don't really collaborate very well. Uh, so, so what we do is help bring together particularly the middle school and high schools and the post-secondary partners, and at the local level, really the best post-secondary partner are the community technical colleges, and help them co-design pathways so that uh, students can see the relevance of what they're learning and how that will help them move toward a, a good, solid career uh, beyond high school. And so that's going to require some sort of post-secondary education and training. And then the other key partner to that is the employers. Uh, as I was listening into the previous discussion, and uh, I think we're all concerned that so many young people today have very little uh, connection to the world of work. And there's kind of a promise that if you work hard in high school and if you go to college and you get some sort of degree, then when you walk out of that uh, commencement and you've got your diploma, that all these employers are going to come running to you and find you and offer you this great career. And the reality is that it takes a lot of networking, a lot of a lot of uh, relationship building. It takes some people want people that have experience. So it's a lot. It's a much better strategy to build that understanding about the way the world of work does work. To build that into the educational experience, so the students are progressively learning more and getting that kind of hum that social capital that they. they develop by getting to know employers, doing some job shadows, doing some work study, so that they're more confident and they also know kind of what the expectations are when they finish their educational programs, and it'll be a much smoother transition for them uh, rather than this really abrupt transition that for many, many young people right now isn't working very well. Okay, and that's fair. Uh, what kind of efforts are you currently involved in? Uh, we do a lot of work. We 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 do uh, work with about 17 different states, uh, helping them with uh, aspects of improving 
the implementation of their career technical education programs. Uh, but we're doing a lot of work, particularly in New York and Pennsylvania right now, around developing these college career pathway systems. And we've got a total of uh, 15 communities where we're, we're convening the, the, the partnership teams between K-12 and post-secondary and employers. And uh, they're going through the process of designing uh, on a kind of sustainable partnerships that will uh, that they can then build these pathway systems around. We we have a, a three-part approach, and the first part is bringing together these partners and what we call community integration. And uh, we have a number of action steps that have to take part take place through this process. But it essentially is building what we think of as the infrastructure for partnerships. Um, a lot of programs you might you might see some funding or some startups for for a. For example, in New York right now, there's a series of P-Tech partnerships around the, around the state, uh, which is Pathways for Technology, Early College, High Schools. And um, they're really great programs, but they do require building uh, these relationships between high schools and post-secondary and, and employers. And often what happens is when the money for some of these programs goes away, so do the partnerships. So the first part of what we do is is to try to build those partnerships that can that are really more of like an umbrella to, that you can plug in different programs. Then the second part of the of the work is around career exploration, uh, particularly at the middle school level, to help students really start learning about different career options, and really importantly, meeting some people in the business sector. So they can start to make some, you know, face-to-face -face, uh, connections, and then at the high school level, designing a series of college career pathways that uh, students can then see the connections between career-oriented classes and their general academic classes. Okay. Now I see you're headquartered in Maryland. Is the work being done in New York and Pennsylvania different from the other states? Um, the model itself is a somewhat flexible model. So, uh, yeah, my background, just for you to know, um, I worked uh, in the U.S. Department of Education. I was Deputy Assistant Secretary for Vocational and Adult Education. And we actually uh, fostered a, a program that is very similar to the work we're doing now with College Career Pathways. So we've been kind of pilot testing these models for a number of years. So I left the Department uh, of Education in 2005 and have been doing the, the, this work in, a, in the consulting uh, fashion since then. So there are a number of states that are really working at this. Um, one good example, Florida, for the last four or five years has been uh, strongly incentivizing what they call career academies. Uh, that hap are happening in high schools around the state where students are getting this blend between academic college prep and career prep. It's not college or career, it's college and career because uh, ultimately all students are going to a career. So uh, so that, that's been a real positive thing that's been going on in Florida. California has had something they call California Partnership Academies. And then more recently they have a, a a program that's emerged called linked learning. And when they use the term linked learning, it's drawing the linkages between college prep, career prep, and employers, getting students more linked to the outside world. 
so, so the work that we're doing in Pennsylvania and New York is all kind of in the same flavor as some of these other efforts around the country. Um, we don't have a, a rigid model. We have more of a model that can be adapted to the local needs. And so in New York, you know, you have the, um, you have the, career technical education, the more intensive types of career technical education that are offered through the, the BOCES. But, but this model uh, would, would begin to move not – some of the things that are very expensive like automotive technologies, you may not be able to afford those in a typical high school program. But there are a lot of other uh, type of pathway programs, uh, entrepreneurship and uh, pre-engineering programs, fine arts, performing arts pathways, uh, law and social justice, uh, computer information technology. There are a lot of pathway programs that you can uh, offer in a, in a typical high school. Now, I, I find that interesting because oftentimes when I get frustrated as a school administrator or even when I was teaching, I would say I wish I became a farmer because I spent my childhood summers on a farm and always thought, you know, I never had these issues with the cows. So do you do you have any uh, partnerships in rural areas or any work that you're doing in rural areas? Yeah, actually, some of the sites that we're working with are in very rural areas. Uh, Malone, New York is right up near the Canadian border, um, pretty far north uh, of Albany. And uh, there's definitely challenges there because you don't have much of a business base and and it's mostly small business and tourism. So we're, you may not be able to have exactly the same mix of programs that you might have in a more condensed area where there's a wider variety of business partners available. But a lot of what's really important are the transferable employability skills. And uh, one of the things that is kind of the first action items as part of this whole process of bringing together your partners is creating a a working definition of readiness. What does it really take for a young person to be ready for that next phase of their life? And um, except every, every career certainly has its own set of specific technical skills or knowledge that relates to that career, but a lot of what success is all about are the transferable skills the teamwork, the problem solving, the work ethic, uh, the things that that uh, really really matter to employers, and they often are very frustrated when they don't see them because a lot of young a lot of young workers don't have much experience in the workplace. So even in a small community, you can build a lot of consensus around those broad employability skills, and also around entrepreneurship skills, which are very valid and useful in a smaller community. Absolutely. Uh, do you engage parents in this process, the community parents builder? Are, yeah, parents are key partners, and for a couple of reasons. Um, that uh, there has been this kind of college-for-all mentality in the, in the United States education system for 40, 50 years. Um, and a lot of parents really want what's good for their kids. They want their kids to be successful, maybe they've had some tough jobs and maybe even, you know, manual labor jobs. And so it's it's kind of somewhat natural to think, well, I want my child to be better off than I, so therefore he or she needs to go to college. 
And the the workforce has really changed a lot in the last 30 years. It's been gradual, but I think in this last recession, uh, things have really hit home that th- things are different than they were. And there are about 30% of all our, all the U.S. jobs where you can make a decent living, a family-sustaining wage, are jobs that are some people call middle-skill jobs. It's really not – the skills themselves are, are – are high-level skills, but you just don't need four years of education to to develop them. There are things that are more beyond high school, but less than a four-year degree. So we we have a a phenomenon where a lot of you young people are going into the four-year college sector because their parents are encouraging them to do that. Probably school people are too, and yet uh, there there really aren't that many four-year college-level jobs out there. And so then what happens, a lot of people get these four-year degrees or they drop out and they they drift around for a while and then they end up coming back to the community or the technical college. So so probably the big one of the biggest challenges is trying to clarify that there's this continuum of, of options and helping parents see that they're being a good parent uh, by letting their child look at this range of options. And it's really not good parenting to just say, don't even think about something other than a four-year college. But that's a big shift because parents, you know, they want what's best for their child, and yet their the, their understanding of what's best might be a little bit behind the times. That's great. You make a great point, and in fact, we'll speak a little more about that point right after a short break. So everyone stay tuned. We'll be back with more right after this. You're listening to Educate on TalkZone.com. Back to Jonathan Jefferson. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to the show and our discussion with our guest, Hans Meter. Hans, just before the break, we would, you had mentioned the fact that there were other ways students could uh, earn a living that may be more, might be more fruitful than going to a four-year college. And I just wanted to share uh, a personal example. I went to a vocational technical high school and we had students or, or peers, classmates who were studying electrical, studying plumbing, automotive, what have you. I ended up going the college route, and I went straight through my master's degree. But when I left college with my master's degree, I may have been earning, I don't know, 35000 a year with my first job. Yet I had friends who never went to college who, because they continued to become, for example, master plumbers, they were already, now we're talking about early 90s, they were already raking in sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000 a year, and, and they called their own shots. <laughs> right. You know, right. You, the, the plumber tells you when they're coming. You don't tell the plumber when, when, when they can arrive. They tell you when they're available. So I think that just uh, kind of validates the point that you made, that sometimes a vocational track uh, is a better track for some students. Yeah. And there's a lot of other careers. I mean, we, we often think about the... the, the the trades themselves, uh, air traffic controllers is, uh, so, you know, it's a high, high demand and cer- certainly high stress, but really important. Uh, aerospace engineering technicians, you've got, uh, building inspectors, you've, you've got engineering technicians, you've got dental hygienists and radiation therapists. So there are a lot of 
pretty well-paying and really important jobs that are in between that high school education and that four-year degree. And, uh, yeah, your, your story is very typical uh, because it's really about, in today's economy, it's not really about the degree. It's about the skills, and it's just the law of supply and demand. And uh, when you don't have uh, as many workers in a particular field and the demand is high, then those wages are going to be pretty high, too. Okay. Now, how do you define college career pathways? Uh, a pathway is a sequence of courses. So it is something that you take, almost like a major, uh, but it's not just a sequence of career-oriented courses. It's help. The, the magic really happens when the students are taking a series of career-oriented or theme-based courses, but then the teachers are collaborating and the teachers are finding ways to bring elements of that particular theme over into the history class or into the English class or even some examples in mathematics or scientific applications relating to that field. Uh, it's, it, so that requires a big shift in the way teachers think about their work. But for the students, it, it really helps to start answer that, that kind of perennial, eternal question, um, why, do, why am I learning this? And uh, in some classes, I think a, a, a fair question wouldn't, I may not necessarily use a certain mathematical algorithm in my career. That's fine. Just tell me who uses it, and is anyone using this? And if a math teacher can't really answer that, I think that's kind of unfair to the students. Someone decided that this was worth teaching, so so we at least need to explain you know, how it's used in the real world because that's how it was originally discovered, was, was being used in some fashion. Uh, so the pathways are the sequence of courses that take students uh, through their years of high school. At the um, at the junior year, senior year, there's agreements with post-secondary education so that they've lined up the content of the different courses so students can actually start earning college-level credits while they're in high school. And uh, depending on how many courses have that alignment, they can, you know, have anywhere from six to nine to twelve college-level credits when they finish up high school, and then make a, a almost a seamless transition into that post-secondary program. Excellent. The other the other piece of the pathway that's really important is that is that employer volunteer activities of employers coming in, coaching the students on some of their projects, uh, talking to students about work ethic and job place skills. Um, and then also hosting students who want to come uh, and visit work sites when when it when that's possible. So giving more of that real world connection to the students while they're still in the high school setting. I think that's a great point. And if I can share another example, I think one of the movies that was uh, a big movie when I was in high school was Top Gun, and that that was the movie with the fighter pilots and the trick flying and all the other you know Hollywood stunts they did. And in physics class, that would have been an ideal time to possibly bring in a fighter pilot because they use so much physics. And in yeah. fact, we, w- we were told as high school students that if you want to be a fighter pilot, you have to have taken high school physics. So sometimes students, you know, I'm just validating what you said. Sometimes they simply need 
to see the real world application. And, and if you can take something that's current, such as at that time, you know, a top movie and then bring in a real life fighter pilot and say, Hey, look at this, you know, connection between physics and, and being a fighter pilot that could really spur on a lot of kids. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah the other kind of related to that, the other mindset that, that some students make a mistake because they don't really understand is if for whatever reason they decide I'm not I'm not going to college. I don't want to go to a, a typical four-year college. They often make the mistake that that means I can coast. And when they talk to real employers who who are hiring people with less than a four-year degree, they'll often find out, oh, I do need to do some some. It's, it may be basic math, but I still need to do it correctly, and I need to be able to write. And I need to be able to read with comprehension, and I need to be able to talk with clarity. So what they'll find out when they're interacting with those employers is that regardless of whether they go to four-year college or two-year college, they've still got to work hard, and they've got to be ready. And so th- there's definitely a drop-off where students start to coast when they think that they're not college material. Uh, because they, they And the other thing that kind of perpetuates that is that they they know they can get admitted to community college, but what often happens with students that aren't really working prepared is that they'll go to the community college and then they'll have to start taking a bunch of remediation classes, which sets them back financially and also kind of you know hits their morale. Uh, and they, if they struggle with those, they really can't advance to the credit bearing courses. So. Um, so it's really important for them to keep that that academic momentum going in high school, and the employers can actually give them a good reality check and keep them more motivated. Absolutely. Now, what are some of the essential steps for establishing college and career pathways? Um, so it really is important uh, to create a business advisory committee to work with the school leadership team. Create a leadership team within your school and then bring together a broad business advisory committee that probably represents different aspects of your local economy. And then looking at some of the data uh, about current jobs and where the growth is happening, then start to make decisions about what types of pathways would, would be useful, would be workable in your school. And then there's a matter of then you've got to take into account student interest. You know, right now because of the media, students want to be chefs and they still want to be lawyers and they want to be athletes and they want to be singers. So there's going to be a, a process of educating students about opportunities and what jobs are that they probably don't know about and then just making decisions about what pathways you're going to offer. So you could, you know, perhaps have a, a what's really a computer science pathway, but you call it a cybersecurity. You give it some branding that maybe relates to something that's a little more catchy for the kids, but they're developing core skills and career-related skills that will help them, uh, regardless of whether they go, like NCIS is another popular one with any kind of mm-hmm. um, forensics, but they can learn a lot of biotechnology and they can develop good uh, science research skills in that NCIS uh, forensics flavoring or branding. So it, it's there's not a cut and dried exactly how you do it, but it's it's kind of a back and forth process of connecting to your business community and getting their advice and then also checking student interest and 
trying to find the right match of those things. Excellent, excellent information. We have been speaking with Hans Meter, the president of the National Center for College and Career Transitions. To learn more about College Career Pathways, visit their site at www.nc3t.com. That's nc3t.com. Hans, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Dr. Jefferson. It's been a pleasure. Same here. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you for listening to Educate with Dr. Jefferson. Tune in next week as we continue to tackle the truth behind schoolhouse doors.